but perfect it's all perfect yeah it is let's start the show yep let's do it okay Everyone. Welcome to Belgarian and Beyond season two. This is a show where we explore magical worlds chapter by chapter and we've begun with the Belgarian series of books by David Eddings. We're up to chapter 10, oh my goodness, chapter 10 this week um, of book two, Queen of Sorcery. I'm here with Alicia. Hi Alicia. Hi Sandra. How are you this week? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. I have a little indigestion, but otherwise, I'm good. <laughs> Do you know? So maybe. That? Yeah. So I'm sorry on. if you hear any little burps in the background. <laughs> I'll try I'm to not, mute them. <laughs> I'm not even going to edit those out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to mute them as they come, but. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's. Um, I know that we start with Polgar's cup when we talk about like a potion that. And I think that that puts us in the mind of what's going on in our tummies, like in our physical bodies very often, because like last week I was talking about having a smelly belly and like yeah. all the gurgles and farts and carry on that I do. So right. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was It's funny. true. Cause the one I chose, the drink I chose this week is in alignment with what I would want to drink right now. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Which is fine. So, speaking, <laughs> speaking of, let's go into Polgaris Cup. All right. What's your potion um, this week? My potion, I put, it is a sparkling ginger lemonade, <laughs> which sounds really great right now for me. I know, that actually sounds really delicious. <laughs> yeah. So like last week, we had to skip recording because I was sick. I got sick for like five days and um, it was some kind of weird like cold flu virus. I mean, I was just achy and congested, all that, but I literally slept for like three days. <laughs> so uh, I got put on hold everything that I started now this week, mm-hmm. which has me in this like light sparkling ginger lemonade stuff because... Before I got sick, I I enrolled myself in this, um, they're called Balboa Press, and they're actually affiliated with Hay House, uh, the publishing company, who I've always, always told myself I'd be published with one day. And now I'm, pub- I'm self-publishing through Balboa Press, um, a new book that's going to be nonfiction, my first time doing nonfiction. And it's really going to be the book. Um, about everything I was trying to start my coaching business around basically like this is my journey as an author and it's all it's all an inner journey is nothing to do with all this outward stuff and so basically for anyone who wants to write their book but they've struggled because they keep looking outside of themselves this book is gonna help them go within and write their book that way mm-hmm. and so yesterday I finally got to start writing it and I sat down and wrote like 6,000 words in Holy one sitting. Holy crap. I have never done that in my life. No. Which is, you know, I know a lot of writers think that's nothing. But for me, a, a normal writing sitting is like 1,000 to 1,500 words. Yeah, maybe. You know, a day. Yeah. And so it only took me like two hours, 6,000 words. And I was like, Wow. Yeah, I'm in alignment with this right now. So yep. I've been really excited and um, I'm hoping to get a little bit of writing this afternoon mm-hmm. um, because I have a goal to have this done before October is over so I can give them the manuscript mm-hmm. um, because then they take it over and they're going to do all the formatting, the, the cover design, and then they're going to distribute it and everything. Wow. So, so it's the first time publishing this way. It's still self-publishing. I still keep all my rights to uh-huh. the to the work. Right. But obviously I pay for their services and they they help me get the book out there. They're gonna help me if I want to upgrade any time for like marketing help or something. They do all of it, but I just paid for the minimum just to get it like out there. And I uh-huh. wanted to do it. I discovered these guys on accident. 
um, I was looking for a bookstore at Balboa Park here that's local. And while I was at Bal Balboa Park, I Googled Balboa Bookstore, and instead there was no bookstore there. <laughs> and instead what came up is this Balboa Press. Mm -hmm. And in the little sub description, before you even click the link, it said that they are a part of Hay House. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I gotta click this. And I felt like I was just being guided, guided, guided. And I'm like, I have to do this. Like, it's not Hay House specifically, but it still is because Hay House funds these guys to mm -hmm. help people self-publish. And Hay House looks at their website all the time to find the next big author. Mm -hmm. So, you so know, I'm really excited. I'm so, um, I can see how excited you are. I'm going to say, um, Hey, um, the Balboa Press was the first self-publishing outfit I looked at like really? years ago when I first went into indie publishing. Wow. I had never heard of them. No. And I decided not to go with them, but, and, and sort of to do it myself. So my computer bipped at me. Um, but that's, that's, yep, 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 yep. Very good. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah obviously in the right space because success in words is testament to itself. Yeah. Yeah. I was so excited yesterday. But how about you? What is your cup then? So I have an unexpectedly addictive rainbow slushy in my potion mm. cup. Wow. Um, because the weather's turned beautiful and chilly. I've got my big sweater on my big comfy sweater and, um, I almost turned my heater on today. Wow. Yeah, we're getting close to that too. We're sometimes we're like almost, but not quite. Yep, yep, yep. So like my hands are cold. I'm like, oh, is it time to put the heater on? But I'm not, I'm not so cold tonight. So I haven't. I have a new heater. I haven't tried it yet. And I've started a new crochet project, which is like a rainbow colored coffee table rug. And the reason that um, this is in my potion cup, this rainbow colored slushy, is because when I started the rug, I like we have a rainbow motif theme that runs through the bottom, our, like our living room. Mm -hmm. and, and so I picked the colors from one of the paintings in our living room for the rug. So it's like all rainbow colors except for the purples and the mauve. And I began, and it's all like primary colors, like really strong, bold colors. And they're not colors that I usually choose to put together. Like even if I'm doing a rainbow thing, something rainbow, I choose like subtle, more subtle colors to create the rainbow. And these are just like in your face kind of. And I started it and it felt really dark and like ugly and then I'm like oh mm. it was and it was it was totally a reflection of where I was I think I I I still haven't quite got there with it but now that I've been doing it for a while I can't stop and I think it is beautiful like yeah. it is absolutely gorgeous um I'll put just a photo a in the show time. hey it just took a little more time with yeah. it yeah like, and it's interesting. So uh, one of the crochet groups that I belong to, I put a photo up because, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure about these colors, but you know, I'll just trust the rainbow motif that runs through my house and keep going with it. And one of the, someone said that they were uh, courageous colors, like, mm -hmm. like, uh, and it was a translation from, German I think I was translating what this lady had said and she just spoke so like wow she was like seemed really excited about the colors and how I was putting them together and and she, there were a couple of people like that and I, I sort of started to think okay yeah it does feel courageous like it it feels like I'm doing something that I wouldn't normally do and it does it is taking courage for me to do this yeah. So like every piece of crochet I do, every piece of um, fiber art or painting, it's like a, it is this process, like all the art that we do, the writing, everything. Mm -hmm. It's this process of working through something in ourselves, isn't it? 
like you were talking about before. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't ever been able to get my, I mean, I'm just not that good at like the, you know, with my hands crocheting or sewing or any of that stuff. But I know my mom, she's, she's a big sewer and it's like her meditation space. Oh, it's totally my meditation. I often I have a call friend it, who knits. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like her quiet time where she'll watch her yeah. show and just kind of zone out while she's. Yeah. And just the movement of the hands almost becomes like yep. a. Crochet meditation, I call it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's, awesome. that's my potion cup this week. Yeah, I can't wait to see the picture of it. I'll put a photo. Yeah, I was going to say before, I'll put a photo in the show notes. So if you're ever looking for all of these things that we talk about, go to the website, belgarianbeyond.goddesskindle.com because that's where we put all the detailed show notes and all the extra bits and pieces. Yeah. Uh, so, Garion's view. Will you please give us the summary of the chapter? Yeah, so they arrive at Membre in this chapter and then they're taken to meet the king. I believe Mandarellen is the one um, showing them the way here. And so they get in there and it's it seems like, you know, they're all getting to know each other. There's introductions going on and um, everybody seems to be getting along and sharing a little bit about themselves. And then this other, I don't know if he's a cloaked figure or what, but he arrives. And I think I spelled his name wrong, but uh, Natchak comes into the room and of course everything gets kind of tense and then he's being a little bit snarky and rude to the king and to other people and then this is the moment Garion decides that he's going to tell Wolf uh, the plan that Leldrin confided in him about Natchak's plan to like have these two kingdoms destroy each other and so then there's this kind of little battle that happens in the throne room is that what they call it in this book yeah yeah yep that's it that's the chapter <laughs> lots of fighting lots of swords going on yeah i like the fight scene in this chapter <laughs> i was yeah. one i was thinking of you guys <laughs> i was reading it today i'm like oh yeah at least like you'll like this some good action going on. <laughs> <laughs> action yeah, so when they're heading down into the into the um, city, mm-hmm. what did you think about the what what um, Aunt Paul said to Mandarella before they start heading down? What does she say? So there's this little yeah. scene. So so um, she turns around and starts talking to Mandarella and like in the these and the thous in this archaic form of speech, asking him to guide them into the city and um, you know. Uh, for as yeah. much as thou art the mightiest knight on life, we place ourselves under the protection of thy arm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I think my judgment is swayed a little bit by the reactions of like Wolf and is it Garion? Mm. They have like a reaction. Like, what was that all about? Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's. Um, I feel like she's going down like memory lane or something and having flashbacks or like that life that she seems to get so sentimental about. Okay. And and maybe she's having, just having some fun because she misses, misses that part of herself. Oh, I like that thought. She likes uh, Mandarellen's attention. So. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I do think she does because even from that moment up on that rock thing in the forest when they were being attacked by those monsters mm-hmm. and he was kind of flirting with her a little bit she seemed really flustered by him and I don't think that she I don't think that she wants anything out of it I just think she likes the attention okay that he gives her to be like oh yeah it makes me feel pretty you know well I like the um I think that it makes her um, it, it does what you said at the beginning of this, puts her into that, those memories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think she, that's what she likes the most. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, 
and and so they go into the city and they come up to the castle and they're challenged by yeah. two knights up on the um where are they up on the uh battlements uh is right. it battlements or where are they where are they let me see i, I don't remember Call down from the, no, they're at the they're on the parapet of the like at the, pl- okay. at the so they're on about big square in front of the castle there are two knights up on the parapet they call down to um mandrell and to, they sort of challenge him like who are you and i'll let you talk about this little bit yeah i liked this part a lot again like my lord of the rings references with this i was like envisioning like a setting of uh i forget the proper name but the white city gondor yes um like with the the tree that's up there you know oh yeah i love that tree so when when wolf here to like prove who they really are he uses his magic to basically raise this tree from the cracks in the in the ground and it sprouts into a full-grown apple tree um it just i I was just really envisioning like kind of like a lord of the rings scene right there Mm -hmm. of what like I've what actually, kind of magic could happen? I've actually started reading Lord of the Rings again. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Yep, Harry Potter to Lord of the Rings. Well, I'm on the last book of Harry Potter. Like I'm doing the audio book of Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, so I listen to that while I'm crocheting sometimes, and like mm-hmm. doing housework. And I've just started mm-hmm. like my bedtime reading, and the the book that I'm reading is um I've started Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I know I need to reread those too. That'd be cool. But yeah, anyway. that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, um, yeah. But I really liked that moment to see Wolf use his magic that way. Because I haven't really seen him do something really physical like that. It's always kind of in the mind. Yeah, that's that they, true. That they use so far. So the fact that he actually just created something like that, is, I liked seeing that. And I really like the way that he's so gentle about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like it feels really beautiful and gentle and like, I don't know, with him, like every now and then you, you, you the author reminds us exactly how powerful he is. You know, I could stop a war or whatever. He's, you know, he keeps saying, well, there's nothing that's really impossible. And then just being really matter of fact about it. And the fact that there's that image of him and then he can do this really gentle, beautiful thing mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a really, I don't know, it just feels so soft the way that he does this, the creation of the tree. Yeah, I think it's to the fact that he never takes offence you know, that people don't believe he's who he really is and that he has to prove it to them. He's just mm. kind of like, and he always stays really calm and he, he doesn't take it personally. And he's just like, all right, well, here, I'll show you. Yeah. And I think just that attitude also brings that gentleness feeling to all of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful little piece of magic. And... um. Uh, he gives the he gives the knight that he's having to prove this to, who's been very disrespectful. He gives mm-hmm. he charges the knight with protecting the tree, and when the tree starts to give fruit, he has to collect the fruit and give it to whoever asks, no matter how humble they are. Um, I love that. Yeah, it was a good touch. <laughs> it's kind of like. Um... Oh, I can't say that. Well, I guess I could, but I won't. I don't want to spoil the end of um, Game of Thrones, but it reminds me of like this ending scene. Okay. I, I, I will. I swear, if he actually finishes the entire series of books, I'll start reading it. <laughs> I'm still waiting. I don't know what's taking him so yeah. long. Um, so, mm-hmm. but I'm never going to start yeah. that series unless he actually finishes it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah I would I'm like to read little... it though. I've been trying to be patient, but it's been like <laughs> eight years since the last book. So, what's taking him so long? I don't know. The last uh, I don't really follow him closely anymore. But when I was was like three years ago, and at that point, the editor had the book, and it, she showed a picture of the manuscripts like this thick. 
And I Holy thought, oh, they're shit. almost done. They're almost done, but that was three years ago, so <laughs> I don't know. Okay. All right. Anyway, back to the back to our story. Yep. So then they go inside, right? To the yeah. to meet King, how do you say it? Cora Corodulin? Corodulin. Corodulin. Okay. And he seemed like a pretty nice guy all around. Yeah. Like he's not he's just pretty common. He's not, you know, like the other kings they met seemed a little bit eccentric in their own way. I yeah, guess. yeah, he seems like quite um, introverted almost. Mm. Yeah, he's just really matter of fact, but he's really kind and everything he said and very respectful. Very, very polite. Yeah. And he's described as a sickly looking man. But when he speaks, he has a really strong voice, which kind of contradicts the way that he looks. Um, I, li- I do like a good contradiction, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it appears that they haven't actually met um, Wolf and Belgrath and Polgara, but they, of course, know who they are. Belgrath and Polgara have had relationships with their, like, their parents, the king and the queen. So Queen Maya Sarana and King Corridulan, mm-hmm. they're on the double throne of Arendia. Mm-hmm. And... Um, oh, okay. So did you notice, what did you think of the little um, exchange, like, well, the, the, the way Aunt Paul reacts when she sees Maya Sarana? Yeah, there was something there that I couldn't quite figure it out. But, like, I know she's kind of, like, eyeing her. And then there's a moment later where she wants to talk to her in private mm. about something. Mm. So I couldn't quite figure out what it was. If it was in any way, because, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that it's been actually been touched on in the story. So I think it's intentional that you don't understand exactly what's going on yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, I figured um, the only thing that came to mind, but I knew it was completely separate. So I don't know why it came in my head was the moment a couple of chapters ago when Mandarellen met up with that woman in the castle there that he was like in love with or something, Mm. but they never, they never acted on it. Mm. For some reason, I felt like this woman that Polgara is looking at is something along those lines of that, but I could be completely wrong. (laughs) That's just what came up. Okay. Well, she's the queen. This is the queen that um, the exchange was with. So we will find out what happens with that later on. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, the, Pollen Paul whisks Maya Sarana away for their private chat and Wolf takes the king, Corridulan, um, away separately to give him the download. And then um, they all come back into the throne room and the king looks a bit shaken. Mm. But before they come back in, we, Garion's sort of trying to work out what he's going to do. So while they're all off having their private chats, Garion's there. Um, he takes himself off to the side. And did you want to talk about this? Uh, so right after, so Aunt Paul, you know, says to the Queen, we've got to talk in private very soon. And then a few paragraphs after that, they go away and an old courtier says, most unseemly. And, yeah, I see that. And then Garion drew off by himself to one side of the room. Okay, here we go. Got it. That was funny. I was right on the page as you said it. <laughs> um, so he's, it, okay, so he's having this moment of like trying to figure out how he's going to tell the people mm-hmm. about what he knows, right? With, mm-hmm. with Leldora. Leldoran. Leldoran. <laughs> no, no. The way that you say it is much more sophisticated. Leldoran. Much Leldoran. more fantastical. Mine's very Australian, <laughs> Leldoran. I was try- I think I was getting him him and Mandarellen together. Kind of blend them. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, he kind of is just off in the background thinking about all of this, figuring out what he's gonna do. Mm, because it, uh, and I I wanted I did want to sort of talk about this a little bit because 
you know, he can't do it the way he did it at Vallalorn, just blurted out because the people are different. It's more formal. It's more, you know, it's not the relaxed and casual kind of atmosphere. So, yeah, I guess, I guess he changes his mind once Nachak enters the room though, right? Well, Cause then he does. He does. But before we get there, I just want to talk about the way that he, he realizes that this is a pattern that's beginning to show up. Like this is the second time that he's been put in this almost exact situation where he needs to foil the plot of someone who's plotting against the king to the king in the throne room of the king. Mm-hmm. So, and I just thought that this is, this is so symbolic of all of our spirals around the patterns that we have and embody and play out in our lives, the same pattern in different ways with slightly different players, slightly different situations, but the same pattern coming around and around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and what are That's... we going to, what are we going to do about this time? You know? Right. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't pick up on it. I mean, I was reading this chapter last week when I was super sick. So I'm surprised you remember anything. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I was like half asleep. But yeah, that's a good point. I do see that. The symbolism of of Garion's toiling over that. Yeah, I love that. How we we all have those moments. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And so then the king comes back in and he looks a bit shaken. And this is where the Mergo Natchek comes in. Yeah. And so this is where I think the two different moments for me blur together a little bit. Okay, know... tell me what, tell me, tell me your confusion and I will try to call things the right things <laughs> and hopefully our well, listeners won't, won't call me out, but I love it when they do. <laughs> it's only because they care so much. I know, I love that. <laughs> um, so Natchak... So there's this moment where he's kind of joining the conversation for a little bit. And so I guess I just kind of forget really what this first conversation is about. There's something he does or says triggers Garion, obviously, to just be like, Wolf, Mr. Wolf, I got to tell you this now. And so I think this whole next little portion is just a little bit foggy to me. Um, okay. Do you want me to... If yeah, you, know, you want to go through that, because then I got the ending. I kind of woke up again because okay. <laughs> so <clears throat> the king comes back in. Natchak arrives, and he's got like half a dozen knights in full armor with him when he arrives. And um, Hetak gets all like, "Ooh, twinkly! There's a Mergo I can kill," and Barak's got to hold him back. <laughs> and you know, he's the Mergo's being all very thee and thou-y to the king you know basically i've come to welcome the guests i didn't realize nobody told me they were coming and the king like gets all cold and nat checks like oh i can see that you know it's it they've been they've spoken ill of me and my race and they seek you know to end our friendship between you know the 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 bond that Arendia and Sol Murgos have and he's upset and he's using all the pretty language and then Mr Wolf asks the king who 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 it is and the king names him and that's when Garion realizes um who it is and uh, he's sort of like okay now everybody's here and it's almost like I can feel it feels like he's got this bigger thing going on inside him where all of the pieces like it's even it says here all the pieces are falling in have for had moved into place like it's it's it, it's it's they use the metaphor of a giant chessboard a universal like chessboard with two faceless players moving the pieces around and garion's one of the pieces and he's the one who's got to like make the final move after all the pieces are in place yeah Am I up to the place where you can talk yet or do you want me to keep going? Oh, well, I'm on the page where um, Natchak's asking Mr. Wolf, what lies have you told the king? 
Okay. Yeah. So that's, and, yeah. So I'm still, yeah, I'm still a little lost about what. Okay. So they have a bit of a to and fro, like, you know who I am. And that checks like, yeah, you don't scare me, old man. Blah, 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 you know, chest thumping a little bit for a while. Mm-hmm. Wolf's like, well, I've only told the truth and that's enough. And then Natchek starts to get a bit rattled and forgets to use pretty language. Yeah. And then uh, Natchek notices that Heta is there and Barak is holding Heta back. And he kind of loses his shit and demands that the king arrest him for murder. Mm-hmm. And the king gets really like really in my throne room you're going to demand things of me i don't think so and then that checks all you know whatever i'm sorry 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 and then yeah. when the king said or when the, mr wolf says you would be wise to leave now that check mm-hmm. that's when garyan that's the trigger for garyan he's got to talk to mr wolf right now because he can't let that check leave the throne room because all the pieces are in place now everyone's there mm. and this is the moment like has this com- compelling yeah. you know sensation this is the moment he has to do it now right okay that makes sense and and i was wondering this because hetar and natchat clearly know each other is he the was he the murgo that killed his mom or not i just think that hetar is very well known for hating um Murgos and killing them whenever he can. Mm. Okay. I think he just so has, a rep- he has a reputation. That's why Natchak's like all upset and saying he should yes. be arrested for murder because he's killed Murgos. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So then, yeah, this the point where Garion um, gets Wolf's attention to explain to him, and basically everyone in the room now. <laughs> Yeah, because he's like, doing that stage whisper where everyone can hear you. (laughs) Yeah, so even Natchak's hearing all of this unfold and he starts, you know, getting more angry and denying everything. And it's when things start to get really heated because, I mean, Mr. Wolf believes Garion, right? Off the bat. Well, Mr. Wolf is not involved in this conversation. He just, he turns, when Garion says, I have to say this right now, and Mr. Wolf tries to shut him up, like, not now, not now. And then he finally turns around and looks at Garion. And he's, the text says he sees something that no one else can see. Mm. And he steps back and says, go ahead. Yeah. And the conversation then is between Garion and the king. Okay. Okay, so but Natchak's listening to all of this, like basically like <laughs> yes. shit. Yeah, so 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 tells Mr. Wolf the first thing, like someone's planning to kill the king, and then the king steps in to question him more closely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course so he gets Yep, go. He, he I mean he gets out as much as he can remember as he seems well, you know, it's or not that he, he doesn't know all the details. It's not that he doesn't Lodoran. remember. He's trying to keep Lodoran's name out of it. Yeah, right. So they're the details that he can't give. And because he doesn't know the specifics, he just knows the general plan and who is planning it and who's involved. He's trying to not name Lodoran. Right. So he does. He tells them the whole story. And um, so the king... The king seems really impressed by this plan. Like this is, you know, this Sophist- is really this is a bit sophisticated, yeah. Thought out, mm. but I, it doesn't seem like he ever really doubts that it's true. I mean, he. I don't know if he's very suspicious of the Mergo or or what from what he's seen with him around there. Maybe. Well, I think what Mister Wolf told him in private has made him very suspicious of the Mergos. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so they move into then this kind of like Natchak's word versus yep. Garion's word. Yep. And what is it that, where is it that they reference? What does they call it? Oh, here it is. It says, let us put him to the test. An hour on the rack may persuade him to speak freely. <laughs> So Natchak oh, is basically is saying, okay, so Natchak is basically saying this boy is lying. 
Yeah. I'm not involved with this plot. This boy is lying. He's Belgrath's creature. And Garion's saying, well, I can't tell you any more details. I promised someone, I promised the person who told me this um, to prove he was my friend. Like he did this to prove he was my friend. I promised I wouldn't say anything. And so Garion's like, I can't, I can't tell you anymore. And then Natchak's like, well, we'll put him on the rack. The rack is a torture device. Do you know what it is? No. Okay, so you, they, lay, you lay, they lay them down on a wooden slab, attach their arms and their legs to ropes mm. attached to, like, pulleys and yeah. gradually stretch, stretch, stretch until all your limbs dislocate. That's the rack. Yeah, I have seen that in yep. movies and stuff. So that, And he's like, well, put him on the rack. He'll tell the truth soon enough. That's what that's about. Okay. The king sort of poohoos that because, like, yeah, I don't trust answers gotten by those purposes <laughs> and basically it goes through and it's sort of a stalemate until <clears throat> Mandarin interjects he steps in and says he might be able to help resolve the matter do you want me to keep going uh yeah i don't remember this part okay so a garion and as soon as Mandarin says that garion feels i think he feels a bit relieved because Mandarin know must know that it's lelderon and it, Garen's like, well, he could tell the king and probably, you know, he should tell the king since he's a membrane and this is about his, you know, king. Um, but he doesn't. Mandarin just says, um, I can't give you the details, but I know that Garen is a true, a true and honest boy and I vouch for him. And, you know, it, He's the the rules of chivalry or whatever knighthood, whatever you want to call it, here are, are. I mean, I'm sure that there are rules. I think they probably differ from kingdom to kingdom. But basically, mm-hmm. Garen's my companion, and I can't break his oath either. You know, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. But I think that yeah. Mandar Allen doesn't really mind because. <laughs> The alternative to, you know, finding the truth is to challenge the person to a, comp- a, a competition at arms, like fight to the death and prove the villainy upon his body and said, I actually think Renderon probably prefers that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so isn't this the moment, this is in this chapter where... Doesn't it start with Amanda Allen is supposed to be like the champion to fight? Yeah, so Mandarin says, I'll champion Garion and I mm-hmm. challenge you, Natchak, to a duel at arms or you can pick one of your knights to fight on your behalf. And then Natchak just loses his shit and says to the knights that he's got with him, kill him, just kill him. And, and the knights don't want to do it, but he offers them money. He says, kill him in a thousand gold, you get a thousand gold pieces. And then his hired knights come at Mandarin in the throne room and he doesn't have his sword or his shield or anything and n- none of them do and um you know it's kind of like not you just don't this is not the thing to do it's against the law to raise arms in presence of the king in the throne room but the king you know says don't worry about that just get on with it basically and Barak rips a broadsword off the wall and like (laughs) I can just this like this epic scene in my head slides it across the floor across the flagstones and they can see it sort of rolling and skidding towards Mandrell and he stops it with his foot and picks up this six foot six foot freaking broadsword (laughs) how the hell does that even is that real is is that I have to check that out Maybe that's, my, maybe that's my random fact for this episode because I want to see a picture of this six-foot broadsword and someone picking it up because, damn. Right. That's huge. That's really huge. I missed that part. But I, I kind of I got lost, though, as soon as Beric started moving, moving everywhere. You know? okay. just, like, <laughs> just getting them one after the other. Yes. Again, <laughs> like the Aragorn moment on, on Weathertop when he's uh-huh. fighting all the wraiths on his own. He's kind of just knocking them out. Yeah, uh, so yeah. they they mow down the knights. So there's Mandarin and Barak 
who has his short sword and an axe. And then there's Hetar with his saber. And the three of them are just mowing down these knights until it's just Natchak left and he's ready to run. And Garen's like, he's getting away. Right. Hetar runs after him and just runs him through straight between the shoulder blades through his chest yeah. out through the shoulder blades i like i really liked the descriptions here because i could really just see it like a movie playing out like i was yeah. watching this in a movie yeah and the moment when natchak gets the knife it's like yeah i've seen that happen on the screen before yeah, and he yep. just right then it's like stiffens and he shudders, and then Heta turns the curved blade in his body, and he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> and he's dead." Yep, he's dead. That's the end of the chapter. Heta got some revenge again. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's a good battle scene mini battle mm-hmm. i wonder how we're going to go when it starts getting into the war scenes yeah that's going to be interesting i might i might have to get graph paper and actually like draw pictures as we're doing the episodes <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know that we have to actually lay out the war plan for the listeners do we no but like just so that i understand it it might be I mean, it's something that I always try to do. Like, it's something I've always tried to picture, like, you know, in some books, some fantasy books, they actually give you, like, arrows where the different troops and, you know, groups of warriors are kind of moving and how how they've been deployed. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that that is in any of the maps of the Belgarian. I don't think they are, but... um, Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I just like to know where, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, I might cut all of that out. (laughs) What's next? Magic. Magic. On on to the magic. Yes. How about you? What what was your magic? I mean, I almost just said I agree with Sandra on this because I couldn't remember anything else. Well, I have I I chose the sound that Garion hears when Wolf causes the apple tree to grow. Okay. So it's starting to happen that whenever magic, whenever one of like Wolf or Pogara do magic, Garion hears this sound. He's starting to hear this sound, and I really like that. I like that in as its own piece of magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Since you know where what it's leading to, it makes sense. Like I'm still, you know, okay. What does it mean that he's hearing a sound? I don't know yet. But yeah, that's cool. I mean, the whole the whole part with Wolf making that tree grow is great magic. So, so um, you can have you can have the tree growing because I didn't choose the tree growing. I just chose the sound that Gary and hears. Yeah, I do that. I also put um, Hetar's battle skills because I thought he was I thought I thought he was pretty cool the way he did that with the axe and all that you know he has a saber but didn't he was, Bar- was it him or Barak Barak has the axe, axe. Uh-huh. Barak has an axe but then I I meant to say Barak's battle skills then. oh okay <laughs> <laughs> okay it's all right you had a cold you're sick Six, six, six. Note to self, don't read the chapter if I'm sick. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so. Into real life relating. And so I'm just going to say a little thing here. These two segments are side by side. We have magic and real life. And that's because much of the conversation that we have around the chapter, much of our work as authors and all of the other works that we do are magical realism. Like everything that we do could have some category of magical realism. I know that that's true for me, definitely. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so (laughs) I really wanted these two segments beside each other 
and they don't always relate to each other, but sometimes the magic that I'll put down relates to the real life memory that comes up. And um, so there's this, you know, intertwining relationship between these two segments. And so I just thought I'd let you know that's how they came to be put together like this. Yeah, I'm glad you took a moment to share that because it's true, like, it's it's good to have a little explanation because sometimes it's not always apparent. Like, we know what our, our intention is with it, but <laughs> yes. you can just assume everybody else does, you know. Yeah, well, you know, get into this. mind reading is welcome. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Give it a go. Um, yeah. But anyway, so it's like a little personal insight, a real life relating, inspired by something in the chapter. And mine this week is Garion's recognition of the cycles in his life. And I already talked about that in the chapter discussion, but it's yeah. something that um, I do a lot of work with uh, myself, mm-hmm. clients, in my books, in all the work I do. Cycles are a really big part of it. And so I just, that is very much real life for me. It's very present, that recognition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I chose the... It shows the the feeling Gary gets like this sudden urge, like everything is like, it's all in place. Like I have to say this now. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like that. And I know that feeling cause I've been there several times. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or it's just like, Oh shit, I have to say this now. And I almost yeah, like yeah, start yeah. jumping in my seat until I get it out. Yep. So like, I understood that. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay, so now we are up to Prophecy Speaks. Yeah, I'll let you go. I'm still kind of deciding on a question. Um, okay. Okay. I might keep it general. Excuse me if anyone heard that, I burped. (laughs) I didn't hear it. So my question this week is um, I've been, I've started mentor, I've mentored a couple of authors through their draft of their book and one author through the publication process Mm -hmm. of her book. Um, And well, my question is, do I offer author services officially on my website as part of my publishing pro, um, company or not yeah, so I have, I have a seri- uh, like there's a I'll read I'll read them out okay these are the services I'm thinking of including officially like I've been doing them unlike some of them unofficially for a long time but okay. <laughs> mentoring formatting, narration, and sound engineering. Okay. Uh, Publication process. So not, I wouldn't be the publisher. I would, would, it's sort of an extension of the mentoring. I'd mentor someone through their own publication process. And I'm thinking maybe certain kinds of book covers. Hmm covers are fun so that's my list okay the book i'm using (laughs) is i know why the caged bird sings by maya angelou okay i know that name Mm -hmm. there she has she's a woman oh yeah she her quotes posted a lot on social media oh yeah she's amazing (laughs) she is amazing okay Fine, mother, an instinctive answer. Where's Bailey? She said he was still asleep, but that she hadn't slept all night. She had been in my room off and on to see about me. I asked her where Mr. Freeman was and her face chilled with remembered anger. He's gone, moved this morning. I'm going to take your temperature after I put on your cream of wheat. Should I tell her now? The terrible pain assured me that I couldn't. What he did to me and what I allowed, 
must have been very bad if already God had let me hurt so much. If Mr. Freeman was gone, did that mean Bailey was out of danger? And if so, if I told him, would he still love me? After mother took my temperature, she said she was going to bed for a while, but to wake her if I felt sicker. She told Bailey to wash my face and arms for spots, watch my face and arms for spots. And when they came up, he could paint them with calamine lotion. That Sunday goes and comes in my memory like a bad connection on an overseas telephone call. Once Bailey was reading oh, the Katsunyama kids to me. And then without a pause for sleeping, mother was looking closely at my face and soup trickled down my chin and some got into my mouth and I choked. Then there was a doctor who took my temperature and held my, and held my wrist. Bailey, I supposed I had screamed for he materialized suddenly and I asked him to help me and we'd run away to California or France or Chicago. I knew that I was dying and, in fact, I longed for death, but I didn't want to die anywhere near Mr. Freeman. I knew that even now he wouldn't have allowed death to have me unless he wished it to. Hmm. Okay, so... I do treat this, I take it so seriously. I take it so seriously, this whole idea of offering these services. Like, it's all right for me to do these things for myself. I think I do them very well, but it's like a secret that I don't want to tell anyone else. It feels like if I tell someone else and it's not up to, like it's not good enough, then I don't want, like it, there's this shame there that it's, like I can't explain why, but there is. That's interesting. I would never have thought of that. Did you get anything? The, the biggest part to me was when he started talking about the, the death and not want or wanting to die and stuff like that you know that the phrase that people say a lot about you never want to get to your deathbed and realize that you never wrote the book or you never did the thing let see that right? fits that fits totally into where my head's going too oh yeah okay and the fact that you're not talking about it because you think it's not good enough yeah is you know kind of just within you like there's so many people out there who have no idea at all what to do and to your guidance would be like enlightenment to them you know and already has been like this story that i'm telling myself inside my head is complete fiction complete mm -hmm. fiction i can do this i have done this it's not like i'm trying i want to do something i've never done i've done it lots of times i've just never made it an official thing yeah yeah and ask people to pay for it that's the thing you know is you got to stop doing it for free because yeah. it's it's your time and you're skilled at it and yeah i'm very skilled at it actually i don't need to feel ashamed of that People will pay for that if it's going to save them time and save them the stress of trying to figure it out Yeah, to have someone just be like, this is how you do it. Or even some of it, you just do it for them. Right. Mm. Some of that stuff. Yeah. So uh, mm. people would pay for that for sure. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Um, I I didn't really know what to ask and I'm I'm being really vague on this. I'm just asking for some guidance on love, whether it's romantic or not. I'm mm -hmm. not really being specific on that. 
Um, and I picked just the book. As long, of, just as long as you're specific in here. I am. Okay. <laughs> Inside I am very specific. Um, okay. But I picked the book before I had decided on what to ask. So now I feel a little silly with this book. But... <laughs> no, I want this now. It has to happen. What is it? Um, Stephen King on writing. <laughs> Great. So let's see what Stephen King has to say about love. <laughs> I did love this book, though. And this book is so good. All right. <clears throat> With six weeks worth of recuperation time, you'll also be able to see any glaring holes in the plot or character development. I'm talking about holes big enough to drive a truck through. <laughs> It's amazing how some of these things can elude the writer while he or she is occupied with the daily work of composition. And listen, if you spot a few of these big holes, you are forbidden to feel depressed about them or to beat yourself up. Screw-ups happen for the best of us, to the best of us. There's a story that the architect of the Flatiran building, say that, um, committed suicide when he realized just before the ribbon cutting ceremony that he had neglected to put any men's rooms in this, his prototypical skyscraper. Probably not true, but remember this. Someone really did design the Titanic and then, and then labeled it unsinkable. Um, for me, most, <laughs> the most glaring errors I find on the reread have to do with character motivation related to character development, but not quite the same. I'll smack myself upside the head with the heel of my palm, then grab my legal pad and write something like, page 91, Sandy Hunter flinches a buck from Shirley's stash in the dispatch office. Why? God's sake, Sandy would never do anything like this. I also mark the page in the manuscript with a big symbol that he shows meaning that cuts and or changes are needed on this page and reminding myself to check my notes for the exact details if I don't remember them. Um, so basically, if I just replace <laughs> the writing process with love and all of this. <laughs> Turns out Stephen King does know a bit about love. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even he didn't know he was, what he was saying. Um, but yeah, the whole part about, um, uh, it's amazing how this can elude you while you're occupied in the daily work of it. Mm -hmm. And then if you spot a few big holes, you're forbidden to feel depressed or beat yourself up. Screw ups mm -hmm. happen to the best of us. Mm -hmm. That was the part to me that um, I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like screw ups are going to happen even in love whether mm -hmm. that's love for your child, for your partner, mm -hmm. for a friend, whatever. Yep. So again, it's in alignment with like what I was telling you <laughs> earlier with that card I pulled. It's like, yes. Um, no, it's almost it's... like I have permission to stop beating myself up. Oh, I'm so, yes. With that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're happy with our predictions. <laughs> with our, we're happy with our prophecies. Yeah, I think we are. Right. So, what is your prediction for the next chapter? Okay. I'm going to guess that all hell is going to break loose after they've killed Nachak, like in the sense that maybe somehow the Murgos are going to just sense that he's been killed all of a sudden and mm -hmm. start to, to rage a war or retaliate okay. against this kingdom. Okay. Yeah. And we check in with your prediction from last week. We finally get to see Vomimba and what it's all about. Garen will learn a lot here and either hate the Mimbrates more or start to see them for who they are. I mean, yeah. he he did yeah. get to see them, and, and they're not so bad. No, that's true. That's true. But I missed a lot of the other that, stuff. So I forgive you. <laughs> Thank okay. you. So, 
we are at the end of our show and I have made a promise that if you put a review on our Facebook page, I'm going to read it on the show. Or on iTunes. Um, well, I haven't said that. But probably, but probably we would. So, I thought I did. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> definitely on Facebook. So we have a new review on Facebook. Yes. From Rachel Salen, um, who's a new listener. And this is a two-part uh, recommend. This is a two-part review. And I'm going to read both the parts because it tells her own story about listening to the podcast. And I think that it's really insightful and helpful and really, um, I've really enjoyed connecting with um, a couple of the people, like really, I'm sure there are more people who listen to our show than the people who I actually communicate with, but I just get such a kick out of it. It's wonderful. So anyway, so Rachel says... <laughs> I love the Belgarian series and I like the dynamic of the show. However, I usually have to skip ahead 20 minutes to get to the discussion of the books. I'm sure they are lovely ladies, but I have no idea who they are. So a 20 minute update on their lives before they get to the book is very uninteresting to me. I wish they'd focus on the book a bit more because I do like it when they finally get around to talking about it. And this is a true thing. We do talk about our lives a lot we get yes. really quite intimate about everyday kinds of stuff and the reason we do that is because in the flow of the show you know there's a certain this is the type of show we have is a certain momentum and the things that we talk about relate to how we talk about what's happening in the book for us what's happening you know in the real life relating and in the prophecy speaks so it's sort of it's not just a book conversation. It's a conversation about us, our work and our lives and how this story is fitting into it and how we are feeling about the story and how it's relating and sort of bleeding into all the parts of our life and how different stories, like we, we don't, we touch on lots of different iconic fantasy stories in here. Yeah. And, and it comes back to, that mat like how we have the magic segment segments in the real life relating segment you know as that's just how we do things <laughs> yes and so that's how this podcast is set up in the same it's like a magical realism podcast in the yeah. sense that we're using this fantasy story but relating it to our real lives and um, yeah and so, also other fantasies yeah stories. so and so, so I think that absolutely, if we get too rambly, that tends to happen after we haven't recorded for a few weeks. So yes, right. totally. You absolutely give us a bit of a lash and say, oi, come on, give us the stuff. <laughs> um, but because I am aware that we do tend to talk a bit, I have from the first episode made sure that I put the times of the segments in the show notes on the website so that you can skip to exactly the segment that you want really easily um and and so that's why i do that but i'm going to read the second part of this review now from rachel definitely enjoying and as i'm getting to know you guys through the pod i'm definitely more interested in your lives in the beginning it was just a bit much because i didn't know you at all yet I'm absolutely loving the book discussions and your take on the books I've read for years. It's really cool to hear Alicia's thoughts on what's going on as a new reader and what she thinks the future might be. Very cool to hear. So that's a, a shift of one listener um, in the space of a few days. And I just thought that that was important to read mm -hmm. out. Because, I mean, let's be honest, if you are at the end of this show in season two on episode 11 or whatever we're on and you're here listening to me read out this um, review, you are a fan, dude. So just get on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a nice review. I mean, I, I did because um, I don't get on Facebook that often at all. But when you let me know that somebody's done something in our group, I'll go in and 
you know, I went in and, and just replied to her review because I think it's, it is valuable to have yes, feedback. So, like, yep. You know, like, yeah, okay. Maybe we need to tone it down just a little. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Not 20 minutes, maybe 10, yep. 12 minutes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, totally awesome. valid. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right. So thank you, Rachel. Welcome to the family, my darling. Hashtag, hashtag. Oh, hashtag. Swords in the throne room. Yeah, there you go. I just forgot how to spell throne. I'm an author, everyone. Okay. So if you would like to hit us up on social media, you'll find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bulgarian and beyond. Um, use the hashtag swords in the throne room. If you want to talk about this episode, um, you'll find all the links. I'm clicking my pen. I'm so sorry. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Usually with the episodes, I put a fair, fair bit of stuff in there. But if you want everything and all the extras, flick over to our website, belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com for all the extra stuff and the segment times and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And also um, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, um, readings and reviews there are really helpful. And we would really appreciate any anyone who's listening that would like to leave the review and help more people find us. And then you can have more people to talk to you about the, the books and the show and all of that. And it's just spreading love. You can just geek out, really. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. 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 It's true. That's <laughs> <laughs> the end of the show for this week. Yeah, we're, we're done. See you next week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. See you. Bye, guys. Awesome. Yes. Awesome sauce. I almost said awesome possum, but I was like, nah, <laughs> I won't go there. <laughs>